the characters are broad and we're supposed to laugh at them and think that we aren't them. But I think there's supposed to be like an uneasy part that is like he is sort of saying that society is them. Like maybe society didn't act the way they acted, but society permits things the way they do. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 510 with a review of Black Klansman. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, we're talking about the latest film from Spike Lee, and <laughs> I think we're just going to probably just dive right in. What do you say we do that, Stephen? Let's do it. All right, so we're going to take a listen to the trailer for Black Klansman and then come back and give you that review. There's never been a black cop in this city. We think you might be the man to open things up around here. Hello? This is Ron Stallworth calling. Well, who am I speaking with? This is David Duke. Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. That David Duke? God. Last time I checked. What can I do you for? Well, since you asked, I hate blacks. I hate Jews, Mexicans, and Irish, Italians, and Chinese. But my mouth to God's ears, I really hate those black rats. And anyone else, really, that doesn't have pure white Aryan blood running through their veins. I'm happy to be talking to a true white American. God bless white America. The KKK is planning an attack. How do you propose to make this investigation? We'll establish contact over the phone. We'll need a white officer to play me when they meet face to face. You for the white race, Ron? Oh, hell yeah. So there becomes a combined Ron Stallworth. Can you do that? With the right white man, we can do anything. When's the last time they let a rookie lead an investigation? Oh, that's right. Never. <laughs> okay. Become his friend. Let's get invited back. So what kind of stuff you guys do? Cross burdens, marches. This is fixing to be a big year for us. You ask too many questions. You undercover or something? We must unite and organize to fight racism. Are you down for the liberation of black people? Power to the people. All power to all the people. All power to all the people. It's right, sister. For you, it's a crusade. For me, it's a job. You're Jewish. That hatred, doesn't that piss you off? You're taking this Jew lie detector test. Why are you acting like you ain't got skin in the game? I'm telling you, the wars are coming. Black power! Black power! Knights of the Ku Klux Klan. That's us, Stallworth brothers. We're on a roll, baby. America first. America first. America first. If I would have known this was a clan, I wouldn't have taken this mother. All right, so that was the trailer for Black Klansman. Uh, essentially, is the story of this young man who is the first uh, black police officer in the Colorado Springs Police Department. And uh, one day he decides to pick up the phone and answer like a little ad in the newspaper for the local chapter of the Ku Klux Klan. And he sort of uh, takes on this persona of somebody. And he and other people at the police department work together to try to infiltrate the uh, Colorado Springs chapter of the Ku Klux Klan. Stephen Miller, um, you've seen this film a while ago. Uh, you got a refresher last night as we went to go see it. Um, 
Yeah, why don't you start us off and let us know what you thought of this film? Yeah, so I first saw this at uh, Cannes a few months ago, and like any festival where you see something, but especially a thing like Cannes where it's like very international and highbrow stuff, it's like seeing a Spike Lee movie about race in America, like in the middle of all of these French and Italian like snooty flicks, it's already going to kind of like bias you a little way like like it's just such a jolt compared to anything else you saw so i i loved this movie when i saw it again but i wasn't sure if it was like a a reaction to its surroundings like i didn't know in a summer where so many other films about race in america have come out how i would feel about this and i'm happy to report that i still think this is like an incredible movie uh which is very very different the second time around um <laughs> so we haven't talked ground rules yet but i think I want to do a spoiler section for this movie where a lot of my thoughts go because it's hard to like talk about the tone of this movie without talking about where it goes and how it ends. So it, yeah. it's like a little hard to evaluate uh, that way. But I just think this is this is a very uh, provocative movie. Uh, it, I was reminded a little bit when I saw it of like Tarantino and the way Tarantino will show you people saying like terrible dialogue and he'll kind of like lull you into laughing or kind of supporting a thing only to make you feel like complicit in supporting it later. Like it, it's meant to make the audience feel uncomfortable and yeah. unpleasant. And I feel like Spike Lee really, really nails that here where for a lot of the runtime of this movie, it is playing as a kind of straightforward, almost too good to be true, like buddy cop period piece of how a man took down the KKK. And it's very, pranky like it's very satirical in the the kkk operate in a way that like bill hicks had a joke that like have you ever noticed how creationists always look unevolved um <laughs> and and this this reminded me of that where it's like the people who are chanting white pride white pride are like the dumbest fucking people in the world in this movie yeah. it, it's like a a completely incompetent group of kkk members being infiltrated by an organization of like very confident detectives um John David Washington, Denzel's son, who plays Ron in this movie, he's, like, always one or two steps ahead of everyone. He's, like, preternaturally clever. He's smart. Um, the people in his orbit are all kind of... There are bad cops in the organization, but it's only a handful of them. Like, for the most part, like, the cops are relatively good in this movie. The KKK are relatively dumb in this movie. And it's kind of unpacking this satire that feels a lot like what the trailers for Sorry to Bother You seemed like, which was going to be a satire of a black man doing the white voice and integrating with this kind of terrible society. And like, I think even as a period movie, it, it has a lot to recommend it. It kind of has that like pizzazz, like that, that kind of dazzle that Spike Lee has where everything feels a little bit shimmering. And there's the kind of long indulgent takes of like people dancing or people listening to uh, the rally where brother Kwame is speaking or listening to uh, Harry Belafonte's character, tell them about like, the birth of a nation and the civil rights movement. And like, there's long parts of this movie that are very like didactic and meant to be like, this is what the seventies were like here. Let me educate all you new audience members who are watching this to what the struggle was. Yeah. And then it also plays as like a very funny sometimes movie. And I feel weird calling it funny because it's like the subject matter isn't funny, but it is for sure played in very slapstick ways from moment to moment. Like yeah, it's a hundred percent meant to. Yeah, and um, it, and I think it's such an interesting combination where it is it is trying to be funny on the surface and then pack a deep fucking punch. And it's hard to talk about without talking about how the movie goes. But I think it's just like 
provocative is the best way I can say it. I feel like Spike Lee really wants the audience to like feel one way and then feel like the deeper discomfort at the root of it. And I just, I love the way this movie lands. I think it's just very audacious. It, it's so many genres bunched up together. And like, yeah, I, I really, really, it's not enjoyable all the way through, but I like love that it exists. And I'm, yeah, I, I dig what Spike Lee was going for. Yeah, I think uh, maybe in typical Chris fashion, um, I am very much kind of split on how I feel about this film. Mm -hmm. Um, It's obviously a film that is dealing with uh, heavy subject matter. And as you said, it it attacks it very lightheartedly, like it's making jokes. But I think that at times um, the film is is uh i don't know i i I don't like the way it handled the ku klux klan in this film making Mm -hmm. them like the dumbest fucking people as you said like Mm -hmm. there there is a sense that because i mean part of the message of what this film is is that like we are in a racist nation right like it's it's it will directly confront that later on we'll talk about it in spoilers but like it's a thing that like it's throwing in your face a little bit and i think by portraying this chapter of the Ku Klux Klan as wildly incompetent, not really, but like most of them aren't militaristic in any sense. They're just bumbling idiots who are like, they don't even really know why they're racist. They're just like, yeah, yeah, racist stuff. And, and like, I think that it slightly undercuts the message a little bit. Um, if I can, like in, in, in a recent episode, I made a joke about how like, you know, in a film about gentrification, at least we in this room aren't as bad as the people. Lis- listeners were quick to point out that we are. So. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, I took some flack for that statement, mm. um, rightfully so. Um, but I think that this film goes out of its way to paint the Ku Klux Klan as the other, mm-hmm. as something that nobody watching this film is going to identify with. And I think that in a film that's trying to deal with where we are as a country and how we treat these subject matters to put the, the villains of this piece so far away from anything you could ever feel a connection to at all. It kind of allows you to separate and be like, well, whew, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not that right. Like, and, and, and it, yeah. it's just, it's a weird way to handle this story, especially with the gut punch. It is trying to throw over the course of the entire film. It just, it felt, I didn't understand why that was uh, the why that uh that route was taken right. like especially so i mean so most of the ku klux klan members are complete morons but even uh david duke uh right that's his name yeah. um topher grace topher grace's character he is performing that role as if he doesn't believe a word he's saying right and i don't get that at all like it, it's a weird thing where it's like this is supposed to be like the grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. And I'm not convinced that he's even racist. Like it, it seems like a person who like did away with him and is wearing a suit of his clothes so and I, pretending I think, to be. I think in that case, cause I listened to uh, Topher Grace, like he did some interview where he talked about this. I think in that case, that was the David Duke style where he was like trying to gain power and seem completely respectable and normal and like that weird kind of uncanny valley of like, do you even believe the hate that you're saying? Like, what are you right now? I, I think that that is kind of his style. But I totally agree with you, by the way, that the movie, the movie is definitely painting a very broad us versus them, where the white audience, most of the movie can sit there and be like, oh, I'm not them. You yeah. know, I'm not them. I just think 
and it's like really hard to talk about. I think so much of what is damning about this movie comes. It isn't only in the ending, but I think like the ending informs the rest so much that it's like, I I think it's, it's fucking with you. So it, it, the ending informs the rest, but I do know that the ending was added later. Hmm. So because I know that, at least least I've read things that claim that, um, because filming had finished before that was added to the film, Hmm. it makes me question whether that was the original intention or whether that was a thing that was like, oh, you know what would really sell what I'm trying to say is throw this here. And then it's, it, I don't know, there's something that just makes me uncomfortable about understanding the true motive behind like the scenes that we're saying and it's like it's it's a funny film like it's handled it like this material is handled in a funny way and just that level of humor undercuts the seriousness of it and i think without those scenes um like the the beginning scene where you're watching this rally take place um you're spending all this time in there and it's not a truncated version of this rally it's like you're you're watching this for real in real time for a long time and watching the the reactions of the people from the community mm-hmm. and listening to what he's saying and like you're feeling the power of that moment yeah. and then it's like oh now into this buddy cop film where right. like we're like making fun of the Ku Klux Klan yeah, and it I, just... I 100% agree it's like a strange mashup I yeah. I just I I love that part <laughs> of it and it's really hard like thinking about it without the ending is hard for me to do because I I see it as one package and that that's interesting that like it was yeah. maybe made in a different way I think even even without the ending, though, there's a subversiveness to it. Like the the character of Ron Stallworth, kind of the arc that he goes on is he is the first black police officer in Colorado Springs. And he falls in love with uh, Patrice, this student organizer. And there's this dynamic where, like, he believes himself to be the good guy, but she will casually all the time throw out, like, the police are a racist institution. You can't change things from within. There's no way to do that. And the, there's something, there's like a... There's the broad feel-good buddy cop movie, but then I think, like, beneath the surface, there's all these things that are, like, poking holes in, like, this won't last. Like, this is, like, an ideal, and this isn't the way the world works. And I yeah. think there's, like, a there's a wish fulfillment aspect of it that I think is meant to feel too good to be true. Yeah, and yeah. that I'm I'm curious how it lands for people again, because I kind of got that sense the first time I saw it, but I was in a very, like uppity quote highbrow you know place yeah, yeah when i was watching it and i'm really wondering how it plays for audiences in general if they take that away or if it's going to be more of the like Chappelle show type audience where they're like ha 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 that you know they shouted the n-word a lot that was funny which is like clearly not what the movie wants the reaction yeah. to be but it it is always a danger when you are playing to audiences like this um yeah yeah i just think it's like very it's like a like finger in your eye. Like it's, it, it, I, I just think it's like trying to get at you in a weird way. It's like, like the the scenes of Ron Stallworth speaking as a KKK person, and the scenes where we see like uh, Adam Driver's character Flip infiltrating the KKK, and they're all just like sharing the most like vile language for a long time, yeah. and it's it's played comically sort of, but you also don't want to laugh. Like the audience it, isn't howling either. It's the that's why I say Tarantino. It's like this weird, uncomfortable place where you're like, I don't know what to be right now. Well, okay, so, oh, man, I, 
I hate all these comparisons I'm going to do, but like in so uh, you and I both watched some movie where Daniel Radcliffe played a guy, a, a journalist trying to infiltrate uh, basically a neo-Nazi right. group. Yeah, um, that was not a good film by any stretch of the means. Uh, but uh, in that film, the Nazis were scary. Like mm-hmm. they, like you believe them, and they were scary. And the like when they talked, they, like you and I had joked about like. Daniel Radcliffe in a few mo- moments where he's trying to speak to people at a rally and try to say something that sounds racist and it just falls flat. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, when they talk, it feels like bigoted people talking, not a child who heard some racist slurs and then shouts them all back in rapid success. Like there, there was some, there's some level of artifice. I know, mm-hmm. Maybe it's just because I'm not around like Ku Klux Klan members all the time. Maybe this is how they talk, but there's just some level of where it felt like it was trying to say things to make you uncomfortable rather than be convincing. Like it, it, I can, I can imagine a SNL skit version of this where like the undercover person is way more racist than the rest of the group is. And then everybody figures him out because he's trying too hard. Right. Yeah. And I feel that like sometimes the dialogue in the film, um, I don't know. It, it, it just felt like a thing where like I didn't, I didn't buy them as real people. It just sounded like somebody trying to be offensive on mm-hmm. purpose. Um, which... I yeah, I, I kind of see that. I feel like the, I, I feel like it's just played for that that cringe effect. I, I will say the one the character of Walter, who is like the local leader of the KKK. Yeah, he doesn't necessarily strike me as bumbling or dumb. He strikes me as the one who like thinks he's above it all but he also is still like a bigoted piece of shit no he is and and that that character too he's he's the one character i i totally believe because mm-hmm. he was the person who was like he's the leader of that chapter and he wants to give up his role to somebody else who's more charismatic than him because he just wants them to succeed like i buy his motivations as a character and i'm fine with him yeah. um being a being this person that is believable i just think some of like the the guy who plays uh yeah, the, the Itania character. Yeah, the Itania character. Like, that guy is just, he's only there to be funny. And I think that that, like, it it's sort of, like, if I'm Adam Driver in that scene and this is real life, mm-hmm. I don't think these guys are a threat to anybody because mm-hmm. they're just a bunch of bumbling idiots. And I, and I guess I wanted them to be more scary rather than, like, babying us to make us feel like they're not not a threat to anybody and then trying to subvert that later like i i wanted to like be scared of them earlier on in a way that i don't get yeah i I, I definitely understand that i think the i think there's always here even before the ending it's hard not to watch this with some implicit like looking for parallels to today right like characters talk about you know america first like we need to like bring be- America back to the greatness that it once was. Yeah, like, there's, there's jokes things... about how America would never elect a president exactly. who believes in these th- type of things. It, it, like... Exactly, and I, and I think like in that lens, like, and I don't know, like maybe I'm twisting what Spike is doing. To me, like, I I see those comic beats, and it feels like so overtly simplified. Yeah, like the bad guys are really bad and really dumb. The good guys are really good. Right. There there are very few characters. The only character who is having a real moral, moral dilemma is Ron because his dilemma is, should I be on the force? Am I like, am I selling out my so, cause and my people by doing this? So that, that's one of the things that actually 
expected a lot more of in the film because mm-hmm. at the beginning of the film, Ron is just working in the evidence room or whatever it is, filing room and uh, records. Uh, and he wants he wants to be in the field. He wants a better job. He wants to do anything. He's like, let me go undercover because I, I think I can do that. And they're like, you're a rookie. You can't go undercover. So they send him in to this talk so that he can like listen to what is being talked about because everybody in the town is scared about like what what this person is going to speak about. And they're like, they're like oh, we got to make sure that everybody is like keeping good and, and civil in this area. We got to know what's going on. And you see him sitting there and listen to what's being said. And you see like a little bit of a conflict where he's like, he's like, oh, do I believe in this or do I want to do my job as a police officer, right? And I think that this film, he has one night where he gets to sit in there and feel conflicted about what he's listening to mm-hmm. and try to decide what is important to him. Um, like he asked the speaker the one question that the police force would want to hear the answer to. He didn't have to do that. Right. Like, so that that's like you you want that conflict to be there. And with, with with the girl that he's sort of like falling for, that conflict is like, oh, I can't date a cop. The conflict is not, is she right? Right. That's never a part. Like they have joking conversations about like, whoa, what, 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 what if I was a cop? Right. Mm-hmm. There, there's not like a sense of um, this is this is two warring houses. This isn't a philosophical stance on whether you can change a system from within it or so it, it's there there's surface level arguments that are being brought mm. up that you can go on and have conversations with outside of the film but the film is not interested in telling that it's sort of interested in telling this sure. event that took place yeah I, I don't think i think i agree with you that the and it'd be interesting by the way so we saw this with a, a q a with the real ron stallworth yeah. and they did the q a beforehand because as we'll get into the ending of the movie isn't something that necessarily would make people want to like sit down and talk for 45 minutes in like a fun group afterwards. Yeah. Um, and it would, it would have been interesting to hear his feelings at the time that he was there. Like, was he really conflicted? I haven't read the book yet. I got it last night, but I, I'm, I'm curious if like, maybe he wasn't like, maybe the story that Spike Lee is telling is of a, a character who at the time doesn't, feel the weight of the conflict that he's in and it's yeah. only like hindsight now that is giving us this feeling of like foreshadowing right of like bad things to come yeah and I, I i do think like this movie lobs up a lot more questions than it tries to answer and that's kind of what i really like about it i think this this is a movie that you can like watch again and just feel more like not certain about anything like it it isn't clear who to root for i think the character of flick for instance adam driver's character he is like remarkably good in this movie in that there's no scene where he does what you would expect the white partner in this movie to do which is like sell out racism somehow or like not treat it seriously enough or say something offensive and he doesn't really do that like he has an internal struggle about judaism and how that fits into this region but for the most part he is like almost uncannily good in the movie and i think it i don't know it's just doing an interesting thing where like it lets people be like archetypes like it it lets them be the wish fulfillment version and then it just watches it explode um that that scene where he is talking with ron and he's kind of like they're having this discussion he's like look these are ku klux klan members they hate you as much as they hate me like that that conversation is very very interesting and like 
it doesn't leave that one moment, right? Like, um, yeah, like Flip, right? Uh, yeah. he's, he's dealing with the fact that, like, he wasn't raised Jewish. <laughs> he, he has never practiced Judaism. Like, he, he, it's just a thing that is in his past. And, like, he's sitting here with this place, and it doesn't bother him that these people are so racist against him. But, like, over the time spending time with them, that might be a thing that did literally build inside of him and make him... Um, sort of connect more with Ron in a way that the film doesn't want to explore that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it says it outright, so it is it is exploring it. But yeah. it's it's like I, I joked before we started recording that, like, I want the four-hour cut of this movie yeah. because I think that this, this movie is doing a lot of really, really interesting things, and I appreciate what it's doing. Mm-hmm. I just... I, I didn't get the... I didn't get what I wanted out of yeah. it. Like, I wanted more. It definitely and, doesn't resolve anything. Yeah. Like, it doesn't... It only wrestles a little to it. More lobs. Like, it... It's such a hindsighty type of movie in that it like all the themes that it brings up, I feel like there's the meta narrative that Spike is telling us, which is like, look at how these conversations were going on forty years ago, right? Look at how reminiscent they are to today and look at how like back then they believed they were like stamping out this group of hicks, right? Like they were like taming out like the last gasp of some terrible racist thing and look at how it's lived through all this time. And it, again, I don't know how much of that is like intentional versus me reading into it just because of like the time that we're in right now. Yeah. But I, I think it's just a very interesting movie of our time and, and things that are kind of more broadly comic. Like I think uh, the character of Connie, the, the wife of Felix, the, yeah. the Klansman, she is like the rosy wife who is in the kitchen and wants to be a part of her husband's work and wants to do it. But that work is like terrifying racial violence. And I think like, like that's damning, even though I can't say why, because none of us see ourselves in Connie, but I feel like Spike is saying like, look at all you like good natured white people who are like, I I, I don't know. There's something there where I think it, it is really like pointing at the audience in a way where the characters are broad and we're supposed to, laugh at them and think that we aren't them but i think there's supposed to be like an uneasy part that is like he is sort of saying that society is them like yeah. maybe society didn't act the way they acted but society permits things the way they do and there there are characters at the periphery that are a little more nuanced and realistic who are still perpetuating things right like the the police chief who like will occasionally say things like the biggest threat is the black panthers or like needing security for david duke because that's just as important and the kind of equivocating of like they'll take this investigation seriously quote quote but in the broader scheme they don't really care about these people yeah. and they're focusing on the wrong war so i, I think i don't know there, there's a lot of stuff going on here but i do think it's the choice to go the satirical almost too good to be true route is like it's an interesting odd one and like i would be curious to know how other people, particularly like black audiences, respond to that if they see it as like an over the top push that is trying to say something deeper, or if they also feel like it's like wish fulfillment y. Like, I think Boots Riley criticized it on Twitter today, which is interesting. Like, it's a totally fair opinion. It just to me, like, it's kind of like, um, uh, Inglorious Bastards, like where it's like revising history in a way that feels too good to be true. Yeah. But the f- the fact of the like easiness and the giddiness of it, like 
is like saying something else about your violent tendencies. And I feel like this movie is kind of doing that about our like desire to sweep racism under the rug. I think it, I don't know, it, it like lingers for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely had that feeling about the wish fulfillment type of thing too. Like I, I, I wondered myself whether the phone call that happens at the end of this film happened in real life mm-hmm. or if that is just for the film audience to, I, I have to imagine it didn't. I want to think like the last 20 minutes of this movie are mostly like, a way tidier bow than real life gave, yeah, gave yeah. the characters. Yeah. It's, it feels like a, like a Florida Project ending where it's like, okay, you watch this whole movie and now we're going to do, we're going to wrap everything up for you for a few moments just to make you feel happy about this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I also just think there, the movie is definitely interested in like movies and television and the way popular culture tells these stories right like it the movie opens with the throwaway bit of alec baldwin as a racist person who is like recording a unite the right type of speech but so so okay so tell me what you think about that scene because like if i if i if i go back to all my other opinions about like the other groups of uh racists in this film it feels like this is a guy who got hired to make this video because he looks right. mean because mm-hmm. he's Alex Baldwin and he is just acting like he doesn't he doesn't believe what he's saying either. He no, just, he's just true. doing a job that he was supposed to do. Yeah. Um, so I think the the narrative there and again, I don't remember the first time I saw it, how I felt about that scene. Um, but I think the narrative there is kind of the like the idea that like racism can be performed to like appease the masses like the idea of like a political demagogue or whatever that is saying all this grandstanding stuff and he either doesn't he it isn't that he doesn't believe it he just doesn't care like he's using it as a weapon right and he's like bumbling and it's like it's intercutting like the grand like the glory of america and white america with like him fumbling words and not yeah, like asking for the shit. next line and trying to figure out like what what would i say meter and, yeah and, and i think like if, if you frame the movie in that way this is kind of a lot about like the different myths that people have about america right like he is giving the myth of like the civil war and how it was a tragedy but we're you know gonna rise up and unite and there's a big portion of the movie that is talking about birth of a nation and like the two different factions watching that movie which was just completely heightened propaganda about how history was where it had cartoonishly evil black people and cartoonishly good white people who were like noble and i i feel like the movie as a whole is kind of doing a similar thing where it's showing us a version of history that almost feels like the cop shows of the era like when when i was watching it like i i couldn't help but think about like i i don't know all, all the different uh like TV of the area of like the buddy cop movies and like the rogue cop that you know goes against the officer's orders but tries to do the right thing like the Starsky and Hutch type world versus the uh, I, I I don't know I don't, there, there's just something there about like the the pulpy narratives that we have for history yeah. that I think Spike Lee is like trafficking in like there are moments in this movie where characters are debating like different entertainers of the era and like who could beat up who in a fight and who is better and it's like I feel like he's making like a piece of pop culture to talk about the way that culture simplifies these stories. And yeah. like he's giving us a oversimplified story for a gut punch purpose. And I don't like, I can't untangle all the different ways that it works, but like the total effect on me is like a big one still. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think the 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 work as a whole does, is successful. Um, I I just I can't look at it as a whole sometimes. Like I right. I, I need to see the. I, I, I like I'm watching the strings as they're being pulled, and I want to know why each string is being pulled. And mm-hmm. I think that this film left me a lot of the time thinking about the construction of the narrative and the, why the performances were done that way, and kind of taking the style of the film against the subject matter and trying to understand like what that medley was meant to do. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that without the ending, like the real ending, I don't know that this film is successful. <laughs> yeah. And then because I know that those things happened uh, separately from each other, it, it just makes me, I, I don't know how to, I can't, I can't not know how the sausage was made now. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, Ooh, like I know exactly why you did that. I don't know why you weren't doing that in the first place. <laughs> and it yeah. just, I, I, yeah, I just don't know how to, to kind of wrestle with that in my head. Mm-hmm. So I just watched it and then like, enjoyed what it was doing but like critically <laughs> like, i was kind of like hmm, yeah okay mm, okay i think the real like confusing part is it's a movie about contradictory feelings right like the character of ron is like feeling a bunch of contradictions because it's like he is a black man in america particularly like a black man in american law enforcement and he's like believes in the ideals of this place and he's working towards it and then he also is seeing that the system is broken yeah. and i think and he, he says one time out loud like i I've always wanted to be a cop. Like yeah. uh, that's that's my I've, that's always been my goal. I was going to do that, and I did. And like, yeah. yeah. And like, like, so if there's a meta way I can imagine the movie, it's that this is Spike Lee like taking a joyride and all those like ideals that he wishes he could believe about America, like the ideal of the of the good cop and like the buddies that save the day and the bad people who are so overtly bad that they can just get thwarted at the last minute. Yeah, and it's like he's taking those ideas out for a test drive and like having having fun with them because he wants to pierce a hole in it and like the biggest hole is at the end but i think i think there are cracks throughout the movie that feel unsettling in a way that's interesting but it, it, it's hard because like i have i have hindsight and i've i've yeah. had months to think about this movie too like every yeah. other movie that's come out i've thought about it in comparison to black Klansmen, so it it's kind of unfair <laughs> but, yeah 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 I, I've definitely, it is a movie that has like kept giving for me. And every time and like, sorry to bother you or blind, blind spotting comes out. Yeah. It f- make the dialogue they're having with this movie feel more meaningful too. So I think it's just like a really interesting combination of things. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it, it definitely is doing, doing a lot and it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot to sit with and it would, it would be interesting if I, like if this would have been something that I saw a long time ago too, and then like rewatched it and like, yeah. um, yeah, it, 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 I I don't have that benefit. <laughs> no, no, of course. I, I have the the exact opposite of your situation. Like you've yeah. been comparing every, everything to it, and I'm comparing it to everything else. Yeah, and it's just a hard, it's a hard thing to do. Um, right. Yeah, I, I don't I don't I don't want to to nitpick this film. It's just a thing that like I I do. No, with I, I think it's um, fair because the movie's very like <laughs> confounding. Like it's a very yeah. weird movie. I think it I think it's meant to be like puzzled over. It, and I think there's little things too with that that exist outside of the subject matter of the film that made me th- spend cycles in my brain thinking about like the logistics of this plan of them two pretending to be this guy. Um, this is like this is quote sold as a film about like how these two guys infiltrated this organization, mm-hmm. but like the film doesn't do a good job of showing how they did that. <laughs> like, it's kind of like he ca- he calls them on the phone and then they show up and they do things. Mm-hmm. And there are definitely scenes where you can see the two people 
uh, interacting together, like Ron and Flip, like having to improvise in yeah. a situation. But for the most part, the mechanics aren't emphasized. Yeah, yeah. It's not like a thing where it's like, oh, well, we had to do this and then do this, and this is how we thwarted their attempt to do this. It's like to me, that's why the buddy cop thing almost feels like shorthand, right? It, like yeah. it feels like it's trying to say something else because it isn't. It isn't giving us the like, th- like deep detailed painting of like how these men infiltrated the KKK. Like it's yeah. like it's toying with that. It, like that's why I wonder how Ron Stallworth, the real one, feels about this movie because I yeah. think it it is using his story as a vehicle to say broader things. Yeah, and I don't know that his story alone. I don't believe his story alone is the point, but I wonder if he believes it to be the point or not. But but I think, too, that, like, this film underplays what his story – I mean, I, I didn't – once again, I didn't read the book. I didn't, like, Wikipedia it to figure out exactly what the differences are between them. But, like, I feel like the way the film presents it, once he made that initial call, it would have been safer if he stopped pretending to be – I mean, he, he is Ron Stallworth, but mm-hmm. he accidentally uses his real name while making the call. So, you know – like it, it would be safer for Adam Driver to, from then on out, be Ron Stallworth himself. Yeah. Like it, they are endangering both their lives by continuing this farce of having both of them be there, and the film doesn't do a good job of explaining why it was a, a two person thing. Like mm-hmm. Ron could have just been his Adam Driver's handler yeah. and been the the guy on the mic, like helping him. Like oh, but like Ron is theoretically out of place mm-hmm. with the. <laughs> Yeah, so the two possibilities are one, maybe it is just one of those unbelievably true things where that happens to be the way it went down, and so they, like, have to do justice to it. Or another one is just that Spike Lee really wants us to get that, like, cognitive dissonance of hearing the real Ron say all of these vile things, right? Like, they're I I don't know which it is, but that's why I'm curious to read the book. And and, and it might be a thing where uh, Ron happened to get David Duke on the phone and then he worked up a friendship there. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, uh, Flip was going into the local chapter. It, it might have been one of those things where, like, they were both sort of juicing two different, like, <laughs> sides of the, the organization. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it definitely makes me, like, I, I, I want, like, the... I want like the deep dive uh, podcast episode, like six six episode series on, like, how he pulled this off, yeah. right? Like, I, I want to know more. Like, <laughs> I, I'm curious, too, though, like, I, it's, like, really hard to leave this movie feeling, like, that's why I felt odd there was a line afterwards to have the real Ron Stallworth sign the book and talk to him. And, like, leaving the movie because of the note that it chooses to end on, which yeah. I think is, like, a, a brilliant directorial decision. I'm not, I'm not docking it at all. But yeah. the note that it ends on, it, like... It isn't the note where I want to know more. It's the note where I'm just like, like, I can't tell if this movie is like deeply cynical or hopeful or just angry and it doesn't know which it wants to be. Like, It just leaves I, you in such an interesting place. It definitely doesn't feel hopeful to no, me. No, it's not hopeful. <laughs> yeah. um, I like, guess you're like just trying make, to round makes, out the options. Yeah, it, like it makes, the movie ends on like upbeat credits after everything it's shown. And that feels like, very bitterly happy you know like it it feels like a an angry sentiment but it it just puts you in such a conflicted headspace like i i love that it does it but we'll talk about it in spoilers but I'm, yeah i i don't know what i want at the end of this movie basically yeah i mean yeah i, I definitely wanted to go home 
talk about it briefly and then go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyways, um, should we get to verdicts for this film and sure. then go on to all the spoiler talk afterwards? Yeah. Um, all right. So we are going to get to verdicts right now. Stephen Miller, if you were going to give us a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Uh, must-see. I, I love this movie. I think if if we are like discussing all the films of the last few months that have like looked at race in America, this is probably my favorite. It isn't... It isn't as like directly edgy as Sorry to Bother You, and it isn't as vulnerable or emotional as Blind Spotting. But I think it it's just doing such an interesting thing, and it's like Spike Lee is such a like particular filmmaker, and he's really like using all of his powers here. And I just think it it it's a big like I, I called it uh, like ten pounds of C four thrown into America. Like it feels like a thing that is just meant to explode to audiences and i yeah. i'm very interested in seeing the conversations that happen from it and i i just think it's a bold choice like it, it isn't the get out of this year either i don't think it's going to be beloved in the way that get out was beloved i think it it is way too um of a pro too much of a protest for that it's like it's just such an interesting movie i, I really respect what he's doing yeah i um i i think it is also a must see um it's not as high up there um, in this subject matter than the films that we've seen in the last several weeks. Um, it, it doesn't, I don't, I don't think it executes what it's doing perfectly enough for me to put it above uh, like blind spotting, for instance. Um, but it's, it's a film that you should see. <laughs> yeah. um, I think it's worth the watch. I think the, the whole package is worth that experience alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it definitely will give you conflicting feelings. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I think that, uh, yeah, it's, it's doesn't do everything perfectly, but it does exactly what it needs to do for what it's trying to do. As far as I can tell. Um, and I think that it's, yeah, it's still, I I've spent this whole episode complaining about it. Um, but that's the thing that I do. Um, and I think that, uh, it, it's go out and see it. <laughs> don't, don't let my like spending uh, 45 minutes, uh, complaining about the film, be a deterrent from it but yeah yeah cool um so we are going to close out the episode now uh, if you haven't seen the film go ahead and uh we'll say goodbye to you now uh for everyone else who has already seen it um we are going to you know finish off musical fade up when music fades out we'll be in spoilers and we'll kind of talk about this ending that we've been hinting at and sort of just pointing towards yeah. um and kind of talk about uh that mm-hmm. <laughs> um so for everybody who won't be joining us Stephen Miller, people want to find you throughout the week. Where can they do that? Uh, they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com where I'm hopefully going to write more about this movie and some of the other movies of the last like month or two that I haven't had time to do. Uh, I did reread my can review from this, and I feel pretty good about it, actually. Like Given how sleep-deprived I was, I, <laughs> I, kinda, I stand by some of those feelings, so I would encourage people to check that out if they're curious. Cool. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. 
Um, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spore the warning or facebook.com slash the spore the warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at the spore the warning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Black Klansmen, so hopefully you're enjoying that. And yes, as we said, we are going to take a small little break. Music will fade up. When that music fades away, we'll be back talking spoilers for Black Klansmen. All right, so we are back. This is uh, spoiler territory. It's the after part of the show. We are talking Black Klansmen. Um, full-blown spoilers from here on out, so if you haven't seen the film yet, you might want to go watch that and then come back and listen to this section of the show. Stephen Miller, why don't you get us started? Yeah, so the the way this movie ends, which I think... I definitely referenced this explicitly before to people who were seeing it, like uh, Joanna, who came me. with me. I think I told Chris as well, but yeah. I think... I think no, you said it at the lunch table. I think work. no matter what you say, no one is really ready for it when it happens. Yeah, yeah. I, I um, when, you, when you made the statement um, about what this film was going to connect to, I was like, how are they even going to do that? <laughs> right. Yeah, so the basically the the movie closes with... It's a happy ending for Ron and everyone... Uh, the KKK have been thwarted. Yeah. The, the bad. This is spoilers. We can say the yeah. bad guys have blown themselves blown up. Themselves up in attempt yeah. to hurt other people. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> so the wife is in jail. The, the racist bad, cop, yeah. has been caught by other cops. And what I believe is like the most wish fulfillmenty scene in the movie, where all of the other cops go around and it's like, "Gotcha, we got you." You know, in yeah. this very like nobody has to be a snitch. It's sort of yeah, like that it's this person dichotomy himself. of all the other cops are good and he is the one bad person. It's, yeah, like, it's yeah. all very kind of too good to be true. Um, and, and then, then uh, uh, David Duke, yeah, uh, Ron over the phone while having a pretend con- conversation with him gives up the the goose the ghost what, what what do you give up in the colloquialism anyways yeah. he, he basically lets off that like hey you're dumb i've been tricking you the whole time yeah and then says a bunch of stuff to him it, it's all very it is like gratifying in the way that you know shooting hitler in a flaming movie theater is gratifying right it is like giving the audience all of that that they wanted yeah and then ron and patrice are sitting at home they're having a pretty sober conversation about how she can't be with him because he's a police officer. And then they hear a noise and there's the kind of classic Spike Lee dolly shot as they're going outside to check it out. And they see a bunch of Klansmen with a cross burning. And then it cuts to the real life footage of the Charlottesville marches where David Duke was present saying like very similar things that he said in this movie and real life footage of the car smashing into this crowd of people and killing this woman and yeah. running into many, many others. And the the jolt of, like, seeing a real-life act of violence. Like, I, I don't know who you see in that shot, but it, it seems like a pretty complete aerial shot of a car just ramming through a crowd of people. And the, um, the like, I don't know what word to call it. it it's such a, like, jolt from the yeah, yeah. laughter and celebration that, you were feeling moments earlier and it um it contrasted with trump equivocating about good people on both sides yeah again like hearkening back to the way that people throughout this movie are treating the 
you know, both sides are bad in some capacity. And it, uh, it it's just like a very, it, it, I think it's like a very daring way to end a movie. Yeah. And I think it's a big finger pointed at the audience of like, this is still happening. You had your happy ending. Yeah. Now here is like the world today that hasn't gotten any better at all. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? And it, I, I don't know, like the, the audience, both times I saw it were like completely silent. Like you would hear a pin drop when. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it is, it is, as we talked about before, like this is a film that's portraying the clan, the clan, like, you know, the Ku Klux Klan as being bumbling idiots that are mm-hmm. almost funny in their attempts to be villainous, yeah. right? They're they're hilariously villainous. And then you get the moment of celebration followed by uh this real life sort of like it's the it's the kick from inception, right? Like right. you're in this dream world and everything is fun and games and then all of a sudden boom, you're ripped you out of up. that. Um you wake up and then it's not just that the audience is silent. The it's the it's it's boom, complete silence. Yeah, the movie is the, the movie is silent and mm-hmm. you get like I don't know, 15, 20 seconds. It feels like an eternity yeah. of just pure silence of nobody trying to move, everybody just kind of sitting with what they've watched and then getting up and silently leaving yeah. the theater moments later and then sort of going like fuck. Yeah, and I just think it's like it's invasive, right? It's in your face. Uh people around me like people i know were crying during this scene like it's very like out of nowhere and emotionally draining and i just think it's i i really appreciate that move i'm i'm curious how people are going to take it like to me it is i think it is narratively it fits with what he was doing with the rest of the movie he's kind of underlining or making text what the rest of the movie had a subtext which is that this is all fun and games, but I'm going to show you glimmers of how even this cartoonishly fake villain that we beat survives, right? Like yeah, even yeah. this manifestation, this ridiculous thing is still going to make it. But something about the way that just like knocks the wind out of you, I think it, so you're not going to get this reference because you haven't seen it yet. But <laughs> I was thinking today, another thing that has been quite popular this year is a Nanette Hannah Gatsby's comedy special. And, in it, she starts off with the trappings of a comedy where she's telling kind of light, silly jokes about different things. And, like, she starts to dissect, like, what does comedy mean and what are jokes good for and what are they not good for? And it ends with her telling some stories and some truths that, like, showing the truth behind the joke, like, the real thing that happened that doesn't end in a punchline. And yeah. she says that, like, the thing about jokes is it's about, like, attention followed by a relief like you you give the audience attention so you can break it later and the breaking is funny for people because they feel like the unclenching of everything and what she says at the end of the movie is like the end of the special is i'm done with comedy here's my tension you take it i'm not gonna relieve it for you and i feel like that's what this movie is doing is that spike lee is just like handing you this tension and saying like i'm not resolving any of this the end and it I just think it's like a very bold way to handle it. And I'm curious, The our audience wasn't like roaring with laughter at any point during this movie. Like there were funny moments and they were laughing along, but they yeah. weren't like, nobody was treating this as like just a hilarious romp through Hicksville or anything like that. But I'm curious for an audience who has been seeing it as very broadly funny, which I think a lot of people will, how that lands at the end, like how... 
damning is it of you, right? Like, how does it make you feel? And it, I just think it's like a very interesting thing that I can only imagine in theaters. I can't imagine what it would be like at home watching yeah. it. But I think it's like a communal jolt. And I, yeah, yeah. I, it's like a fucking edgy move. And I think it is well deserved in this movie. Like it, yeah, no, it, it yeah, it wholly justifies the, the film's entire runtime. Like, yeah. I, I don't mean that in a knock against the film's runtime because I said earlier that I want the four hour cut of this film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a thing that, like, you, like, I was prepared for it in that you had primed me mm-hmm. in a in a not fully spoilery way um so when it was happening i'm like oh okay and then i was like oh yeah okay <laughs> and then yeah. it, it was just it, it, it's it's yeah i I, th- I think that it helps bring you off of that way of experiencing these people as as being like oh this is all pretend right. like nobody is this evil and it's like well yeah Mm-hmm. a lot of people are this a evil. Lot of people, and a lot of people allow them to exist, right? I think yeah. that's the the really damning part of this movie is the the world that, like, yeah, it prosecutes the people who had a, you know, package of C4 to blow up a mailbox, but it allows the rest of them to survive and flourish. And, like, it, it doesn't take them seriously. And I think that is the real villain of the movie is the people who are, like, allowing a system where, like, there's a dirty cop on the system. Like everybody in the police force knows that he harasses black people. He does terrible things and they stick together because they're a family. And like they're one of the more incisive lines in this movie is when I believe it's Ron says like, I know another organization that says they don't rat on each other because they're a family too. And that I just think this movie is like condemning a lot of people in a, in a way that like the undercurrent is there it isn't text ever yeah. so it has plausible deniability like it it never explicitly pointed the finger at like us and said like you are to blame but i think the thrust of the movie is saying like all of you like all y'all are to blame like yeah you are all the problem um there are like little sprinklings throughout the movie that i think i i picked up more the second time around that hint at the real world behind the drama um like the the actor who plays the aging activist who is speaking to the uh the black student union while the david duke thing is going on that's uh harry belafonte who was a singer who was like an activist and an ally of martin luther king and stuff in the 60s and like he and baldwin hung out and like talked with robert kennedy and he was like one of those people who was in the thick of it you know a long time ago and actually saw a lot of this stuff happen yeah and like when spike lee has him go on to speak for this extended period of time while we're seeing like the cuts to audience members just looking in shock while he's telling this terrifying story of a i i, I think it was the story of a lynching i don't remember the exact one I, I think it's the same story that birth of a nation is based on um just like when brother kwame uh is talking and he just like lets the camera linger on people watching i think yeah. like on a second viewing, there's, like, an anger that you kind of tap into there when you see, like, this is, like, the fourth wall breaking and this is you preaching your actual message. Yeah, yeah, Where the rest of the movie is padding it, but this is you, like, letting that fire come out. Um, have you seen uh, Do the Right Thing? I have not. It, I would definitely suggest it as a companion piece to this movie because it. I don't want to spoil it, but... <laughs> It is a, another movie that 
goes in one direction and then wildly veers in another direction. And like, I, I just think that's like Spike Lee's strong suit is he, he builds these things that like when everything falls apart, you are unprepared for it. Yeah. And it, that's like a, a very interesting talent that I feel like a lot of movies don't do right. Like there are twist ending movies, but I've never seen, I don't, I can't think of another filmmaker who does movies that like, punch you in the face at the very end the way that the way that this movie does yeah and yeah so i i don't know i i like that but it may, that makes it so hard to even talk about this as a movie because it feels like missing the point right to like discuss the characters or discuss the plot because it's like the point is obviously this modern day horrible thing that is continuing to happen but yeah. i i think he's just doing a lot of stuff and so i i it's worth talking about all of it. Like, I, I think he is making a film that is also funny and sad and edgy and, you know, uh, fantasy. And it, the whole package is very, very interesting to me. Yeah. I've said interesting too many times. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it's, it's, I'll, I'll say it again for you. It, it, it is doing a lot of interesting things. And I think that, um, yeah, it, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those films, like, it's hard to do a podcast where you're used to dissecting films and talk yeah. about this film because you can't you can't dissect the ideas it's bringing up. You're just dissecting the construction of what you watched. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I spent time doing that. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I, I, think, I think it's definitely an interesting ride. And I think that the complete package, um, whether that was the stated goal at the beginning or it was a thing that developed throughout the filmmaking process mm-hmm. is still extremely successful. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I appreciate it for, for what it is and what it did. Yep. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I think it's time for us to get out of here. So thank you guys for listening. We will see you next time. Bye.